Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Titled The Touch of the Master's Hand by Myra Brooks Welch. Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bidding, good folks? he cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the loose strings, he he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul in the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. That poem reminds us how Christ can touch a life and transform it and make it new by his grace. Second Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The therefore here in verse 17 tells us these teachings are all built on one another like building blocks. Because you see, you have verse 16, you have wherefore. and verse 17, you have therefore. When a person trusts Christ as their Savior, that Christ died for their sins and rose again, In that moment of time, they come into union with the risen Savior forever and are in Christ. Being in Christ, the believer is a new creation. We are made new in Him. In Christ, old things, it says here, pass away, and all things become new. And you have to uh, determine the all things becoming new and old things passing away by the context of this passage. And what you learn is that the earth now isn't our home. You have a new home of heaven, eternal in the heavens. Your calling isn't to live for yourself. You have a new calling. Just living for yourself is an old thing that's passed away. Now you have a new calling to live for the Savior who died for you and rose again. You are not the authority now for how to live your life. You have a new authority for your life, the Lord. 
in the Word of God. You are not now dead in your sin. That old thing has passed away. You have new life in Christ. And in that new life, you have a new hope of the rapture. You have a new body waiting for you in glory eternal there. When all things become new at salvation, we gain a new motivation for who and what we live for. The love of Christ constrains us to live for Him, not for ourselves. We no longer view people only after the flesh. That has passed away. You have a new view of people. You have a new insight into how you view life, knowing that Christ died for all and that people need the Lord and they need the life and the meaning and the salvation that's, his, that's found in Him. When all things become new at salvation, you no longer have to live for the temporal. You have new and eternal values, plans, loves, desires that come from the Word of God that are based in Christ for us to live by. In Christ, individually, we are a new creation. And under the dispensation of grace, you also become part of a collective new creation, which is the church, the body of Christ. When we are saved, we become members of and joined forever to the church, the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a new creation made up of believers who are all new creations in Christ. The body of Christ is a new creation that didn't exist in time past before the Apostle Paul. You can't find the body of Christ mentioned outside the letters of Paul. It was a new creation that began with Paul and was revealed only to him. In this present dispensation of grace, all who have trusted the good news that Christ died for our sins and rose again become members of the true church, the church, the body of Christ, and we are all one in Him. When you trust Christ at that moment in time, we are instantly baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ, into the body of Christ, and all things are become new, and we are given new life, new purpose, new hope, a heavenly hope. And to the members of the body of Christ, God has also given to us a new message to proclaim to the world, the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. All the new things of those who are in Christ are of God, as it says, all things are of God. He is the source and author of them all. Our new life in Christ, our new hope and calling, our new motivation, they are all of God. The new creation of the church, the body of Christ, the new dispensation of grace, our new home of heaven. It's all of God and based on the plans and purposes of God. And our reconciliation is all of God, as verses 18 and 19 show us. In this context, in verse 14, we learn that because of sin, man was dead or separated from the life of God. Colossians 1.21 says we are alienated from the life of God, where it reads in you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Romans 5.10 says we are enemies of God. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Mankind was out of fellowship with God, separated, enemies, at enmity with God. 
The basic meaning for the word reconcile is to change thoroughly. And here it refers to the changed relationship between God and the lost world through Jesus Christ. If you look at the enmity between God and man, it appears hopeless because you have a perfect, infinite, almighty, holy, righteous God whose justice must be satisfied by the punishment of all who have violated his laws, his righteousness, and his holiness. And all of us have because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. Sinners cannot just decide to be reconciled to God and effect a reconciliation on their own. Because you have a holy God whose justice against sin has to be satisfied, and you have a helpless sinner who can do nothing at all to satisfy it. So mankind is standing in a doomed position. Any change that is going to come about in that relationship of hostility and enmity between God and man, any reconciliation has to come from God first. And that is the gospel. That's the good news, that God so loved the world, He sought a way of reconciliation. He sought the way to reconcile Himself with sinners. Reconciliation is a divine provision by which God's displeasure against man was appeased. The hostility was removed. Reconciliation is at the very heart of the gospel. And it's all of God. God provided it. God accomplished it. All we can do is receive it. Because it's offered to us as a gift. It isn't achieved by us. It's only accepted or rejected by us. We are reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation to God is based on the imputation of sin unto Christ. The demands of God's justice against our sins had to be paid for in order for anyone to be reconciled to him. So the world's sins were imputed to Christ at the cross because, again, as it says in this context of verse 14, he died for all. But now anyone in the world can be reconciled to God. All can be and all have the opportunity to be saved by the cross and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The not imputing their trespasses unto them does not mean that men will never have their sins imputed to them again. The not imputing their trespasses unto them took place at the cross when Christ paid for the sins of the world at the cross. The time when God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, took place at the cross. It's another way of saying what verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. During those three hours of darkness, Christ was made sin. God, during those three hours, took the sins of the world and did not impute them to the world. He imputed them all to Christ. And Christ paid for the sins of the world, and He died for all, and He paid sin's penalty in full, so that now anyone can be reconciled to God. God's part in reconciliation is done. He has made the world savable by the cross. God has put away everything that meant alienation from His side. 
which took place by the perfect sacrifice and all-sufficient payment for sin by Christ. Christ was the only sacrifice who could satisfy God. Christ is the only mediator who could stand between God and man. Christ is the only way. He is 100% God and 100% man. And He is the only one who could reconcile both God and man and break down that animosity. He alone. The cross was and the cross will always be the greatest expression of love this universe will ever know. When God extended His love toward sinners to the degree that He gave up His own Son to bear the punishment that we deserved in order that we might be made right with Him. Now, God does not have to be reconciled to man. That was accomplished by Christ on the cross when God reconciled the world to Himself by imputing their trespasses onto Christ and Christ paying for all of our sins. Now it's a matter of man who must be reconciled to God. And that is the message that has been committed to us, the church. The heart and soul of our responsibility as believers is that God has called us to make known the message of reconciliation. It is our duty to tell people that they can be reconciled to God. Our message is a message of salvation. It is a message of the cross. It's a message of life. It's a message of reconciliation. And opposed to all the false teachings that exist in the world, it is the truth about salvation. It's the truth about the cross. It is committed to us by God as a duty and responsibility, as it says verse 19, that committed unto us. Verse 18 is given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The word ministry speaks of service. So it is our privileged duty and service to God as we who live eternally live not unto ourselves but unto Him who died for us and rose again. That when we do that, it's our duty to make this message known. Our mission is to bring the message of reconciliation to all the world because Christ loves the world because Christ died for all. We are called to make known that the relationship of hostility, enmity, alienation between God and sinful man has totally changed. And just believing that Christ died for your sins and rose again, you are forgiven of all your sins. You are given new life in Christ and you are reconciled to God completely. This is the greatest work in the world because it deals with the greatest issue in the world the eternal destiny of souls. And we carry out this ministry as ambassadors of Christ. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. A Praying Life, True Spirituality and Prayer is a 50-page booklet written by Pastor Kevin J. Sadler. This booklet demonstrates from Scripture how God desires prayer to fill the Christian life. God hears and answers prayer, and He tells us in His Word to pray without ceasing and commune with Him continually, relating every experience in life to Him. There is no part of our lives that isn't prayer material. To order your copy, 
contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. An ambassador represents his government in all of its character and all of its dignity. An ambassador is a minister of state representing his own country in a foreign land. Paul always lifts up and speaks of the ministry as an exalted and dignified calling. Here he says the church is Christ's ambassadors sent by Christ to the world in which we now live. As ambassadors, that term teaches us that this world is a foreign land and that our home is heaven. As ambassadors, we are spokesmen for Christ. We are his mouthpiece and we are his rescue workers. Ambassadors are not free to set their own policies or develop their own message or promises. In the same way, we are called to live under the authority of Christ, under the authority of God's Word. And the message we proclaim is the message of God's Word. We are Christ's representatives. And you could even say that the church is God's house of representatives. While Secretary of State during the Reagan presidency, George Shultz kept a large globe in his office. When newly appointed ambassadors had an interview with him, and when ambassadors returning from their posts for their first visit with him were leaving his office, Shultz would test them. He would say, you have to go over to the globe and prove to me that you can identify your country. They'd go over, spin the globe, put their finger on the country to which they were sent unerringly. When Schultz's old friend and former Senate Majority Leader Mike Mansfield was appointed ambassador to Japan, even he was put to the test. This time, however, Ambassador Mansfield spun the globe and put his finger on the United States of America. And he said, that's my country. And the secretary said, I've told that story subsequently to all the ambassadors going out, telling them, never forget, you're over there in that country, but your country is the United States. You're there to represent us, take care of our interests, and never forget that you're representing the best country in the world. We must never forget where our home and where our allegiance is. Our citizenship is heaven. We represent heaven and we represent Christ to this world. This is to raise our level of commitment, to rightly represent our home and rightly represent our Savior by a strong testimony for Him. What also is to raise our level of commitment is to know that we are ambassadors for Christ. Each of us in the church represent Christ before this world. All of us in the body of Christ are the official representatives of God the Son. That's amazing to think about. 
As ambassadors and representatives for Christ in our service of making known the message of reconciliation in Christ's stead, as Christ would do, you see here, he says, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Our Lord would have us beseeching, praying, or begging and urging men and women, boys and girls, to be saved and to be reconciled to God. We beg and we plead with people in light of the consequences if they don't believe and are not reconciled to God, which is eternity in the lake of fire and torment and judgment for their sins. So Paul says, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. We are to urge, to beg the lost and unbelieving, telling them that God has removed the barriers. He's made reconciliation and salvation available for you. If you'll just receive it, you don't have to do anything. You just have to receive it as a free gift by faith alone. We are to call people to faith, call them to believe in Christ's provision. We beg them and tell them, verse 21, For He, God the Father, hath made Him, God the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Out of love and out of grace, Christ was made sin for us. He died our death. He took our punishment. And the fact and the truth that He died bearing our sin, taking our sins and punishment away, it frees God when we believe to make us the righteousness of God in Christ. When we believe the gospel, all our sins are forgiven, all our debts are gone, and we're fully reconciled to God, declared righteous by Him, and we receive the very righteousness of Christ, so that when God sees us, He sees the righteousness of His Son. And then we're ready for eternity, we're ready for heaven, to be in the presence of a righteous God forever and ever. That's the message of reconciliation. That's the good news. This is the best news ever to make known. No message equals this one in importance either. This is what we live for. This is what the church should be willing to die for. This is what we preach for. This is what we serve the church and other people for in order in the end that this message of reconciliation might effectively reach unbelievers that they might believe, that they might trust Christ as their Savior and be reconciled to God before it's too late. Father's Day 2005 was not a joyful day for Toby Hawkins of Bountiful, Utah. His 11-year-old son, Brennan Hawkins, had been missing for two days. A much-anticipated excursion at a Boy Scout camp in the rugged Uinta Mountains had turned tragic. Somewhere between the camp's artificial climbing wall and the chow hall, Brennan had become separated from the others. In spite of 3,000 volunteers joining with law enforcement search and rescue units to comb the windswept wilderness area 100 miles northeast of the Hawkins home, there was no trace of the boy. As day three of the fruitless search gave way to day four, hope began to bow to reality. An 11-year-old without food or shelter in the dangerous outdoors could not survive indefinitely. Forrest Nunley, like thousands of others, learned of Brennan's disappearance on the news over the weekend. 
Making himself available to join in the effort, the 43-year-old house painter from Salt Lake City took Tuesday off from work and drove nearly two hours to the search area. But instead of looking in the region where the search had been focused the previous four days, Lindley drove his ATV about five miles away from the camp. By midday, he made the discovery countless people had been praying for. He said, I turned a corner and there was a kid standing in the middle of the trail. He was all muddy and wet from walking over wet ground, Lindley said. Having discovered Brennan, the willing volunteer picked up his cell phone and was relieved to get a signal. He dialed 911 to report his find. It was a call that would precipitate a corporate sigh of relief and, and prayers of thanksgiving. One man's decision to make himself available and to be used on a life-saving mission was the link that saved Brennan Hawkins' life. Your decision to make yourself available as God's ambassador can be the link that saves someone from eternal death. Thank you for watching Transformed by Grace. Next time we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and how we are workers together with God in the gospel ministry. The Berean Bible Society was founded over 75 years ago for the sole purpose of helping believers understand and enjoy the Word of God. Our organization holds without apology to all the fundamentals of the Christian faith, and we believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone based on the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also emphasize the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth and understanding God's word in light of the Pauline revelation for today. Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles, and it is our firm conviction that in his epistles alone, we have the doctrine, position, walk, and destiny for the church of the body of Christ during the present dispensation of grace. The mission of the Berean Bible Society is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ by proclaiming the whole counsel of God according to the revelation of the mystery. Our goals are to evangelize the lost, to educate the saved in rightly dividing the word of truth, to energize the life of a believer, and to encourage the local church. Our ministries include Bible conferences for the study of God's word rightly divided, Berean Bible Society's president, Pastor Kevin Sadler, and other great speakers have spoken at many such conferences throughout the United States and Canada. The Berean Searchlight, a 32-page monthly Bible study magazine edited by Pastor Ricky Kurth, is sent free of charge to readers in every state of the Union and more than 40 foreign countries. From our website, MP3 Messages, videos, and Bible study articles are available free of charge. A wide selection of books, booklets, tracts, charts, CDs, and DVDs on various subjects are also available for purchase at a reasonable price. And finally, BBS sends out short Bible studies called Two Minutes with the Bible as a daily email. These growing ministries are carried on by the contributions of believers who desire to see others reached with the truth that have brought so much light and blessing to their own lives. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.